the technology changing the aesthetic, and then the aesthetic is also influencing the technology on the other side. But you see that with a lot of quilting motifs. Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hello, everyone. This is episode 34 of the Make and Decorate podcast. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for listening. And please be sure to subscribe because season two will be around the corner. And I have decided that it will start in October. I wasn't sure if it was going to be towards end of September or into October, but it will have to be in October. September is full of interior design jobs and projects that have deadlines. So I've got to really devote that month um, to those um, objectives. So yeah, here we are, middle of August. Summer is winding down, uh, but we are still in the midst of... Uh, the dog days of summer. And, you know, I was thinking about it because I kind of tend to use that phrase a lot. I know I've said it on here before, dog days of summer. But uh, where does that phrase come from? Did you ever wonder that? Or maybe you already know, but I did not know. So I looked it up and it goes all the way back to the ancient Roman times. And uh, they, they called the hottest, most humid days of summer uh, dog days. And I guess that name came about because they associated those days of summer with the star Sirius. And Sirius was known as the dog star. It's the brightest star in the constellation uh, Canis Major, uh, which means large dog. So there you go. That's what dog days of summer means and where it came from. I I didn't even know. I thought it was a newer type of phrase, like maybe only been around for 100 years. But no, it's been around since ancient Roman days. So um, but it explains it, it explains the whole like dog star constellation thing at that time of the year. And it has been hot here in Chicago, for sure. Uh, I'm unlike a lot of people who love summer. I love fall. Autumn is my favorite um, season of the year. I know I probably have said this on the podcast before, and it won't be the last time you hear it from me. So sorry. (laughs) But I just I love even late August. I love it into September and October. And it's just um, everything is so gorgeous at that point. Um, Everything is in full harvest. The flowers are at their peak. And um, just the air starts getting cool and crisp. Apple season, pumpkin season. Um, I love Halloween. So all of that. And, 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 um, see, I was getting so excited. I'm like, and, 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 and (laughs) fashion, fashion is so much more fun in fall. At least, I mean, this is just my pure opinion. So I think that, you know, fashion is a lot more versatile and more fun in the fall winter months, because there's a lot more accessories, like scarves and hats and, um, just the boots 
fashion boots and um, just layering the clothes. You can layer so many cool looks together and it's just, I think there are just a lot more options in the cooler months uh, than in like the heat of summer. It's just like it when it's so hot and humid out, you really, I mean, you're, you're just most comfortable in the least amount of... <laughs> of anything like you get tank top and shorts flip-flops and let's not forget the gorgeous beautiful color of all the leaves when they turn in the fall um it's so beautiful it's like the prettiest time of the year so anyway um this first segment is probably definitely going to sound a little different because i'm on a different microphone and i'm recording um, not from my usual space, which is my office, which has the better microphone set up and everything at my um, desktop. Uh, so I'm just kind of like in a portable setup in, with my laptop downstairs because we live in a two flat house. And so the upstairs flat is um, where my office and um, uh, sewing space is at and it has its own separate air conditioning unit and uh, yeah that decided to stop working <laughs> in the height of summer <laughs> so it's just a temporary inconvenience but that's just to explain difference in sound for this episode in the first segment okay well let's get into um, some of the projects that I've been working on and uh, one of them is a, I finished a baby quilt top, and this one is for one of my sisters. It is overdue because um, my niece just turned one in, well, beginning of August, and so I'm determined to get this done in the month at least that she turns one. Because you know how you have that one year to, you know, gift a baby gift well so I figured if I gift it in the same month it's still on time right <laughs> uh, but I did have to make some changes to my plan and uh, the change I made was to absolutely simplify the quilt that I was going to make for um, for this baby I was originally going to make the fancy forest quilt and I will still make that one, in fact, because this sister uh, just informed us that she is expecting again next year. So uh, I will have another chance to make that fancy forest quilt. But for this one, I really need to get it done. And I just kept making the excuse that I needed a big block of time because I, all the cutting you have to do, there's a lot of tiny pieces. It's not that it's a complicated sew, uh, because it's basically straight lines, but it's just, it's just getting the motivation to, to just do all of that cutting prep work. Um, so, and with, you know, the air conditioning is not working upstairs and, uh, I just needed, to, I needed to simplify it. So I just did my own thing and uh, I got the quilt top done in two days. So this is like a prime example of finished is better than not finished, I guess, or however they say that. But um, done is better than perfect. Um, yeah, so uh, I just did a one patch um, baby quilt and I used my AccuQuilt uh, Baby Go 
and I have a die that is a four and three quarter inch square and there's two squares on this die so you can cut like 12 squares per pass that you make on that machine so it really made the cutting of these um, one patch squares fast and so I wanted to also still make this very personalized and special for this baby so what I did was I incorporated with the squares uh, her initial and I did a contrast fabric that on the front this was the only place that I used this fabric and I was able to um, fit in the rows where there was um, an initial C um, in the big portion of the center of the baby quilt. I'll have a picture in the show notes so you can see. But it actually turned out really well. I'm happy how it turned out. And now all I have to do is baste it and quilt it. And I will machine bind it, not hand bind it. I usually machine bind baby quilts anyway. Um, But yeah, so I mean, just by changing that, I was able to like get it done get this top done and now I am on a roll and and I can finish it. So even though I simplified it, it, it didn't take out any of the um, special nature of, of the quilt. And um, it's, it's actually really cute. I used, um, I had a fat quarter bundle and it, the collection is called Catterday. Uh, so really cute colors, fuchsia, orange, yellow, purples, uh, and it really made a cute one patch square um, baby top quilt. Uh, and the the fabric that I used for the initial C is also the fabric that's going to be used on the backing. So I just think it's really cute. And that backing fabric is a really cute, it's like a fuchsia background with these white kind of modern flowers on it. It's a Joel Dewberry fabric. I love it. So it's going to be really cute when I finish it very soon. All right, and crochet hexi update. I have continued to work on the crochet hexes, and it's been going well. I've um, kind of figured out that I, I sort of average three per, um, like, I guess I call them sessions, but you know, three per until I stop making them and um, did a, you know, a little bit of math on how long this was going to take me. So um, it's, I think it's going to take about three and a half months to, if I work on them on an average five days a week, and I only get three done per, per day. Um, so I think that's not so bad for like, you know, my first, uh, crochet Afghan in a long life. The last time I did a crochet Afghan was like 20 years ago. So, uh, it's fun. It's, it's just a different, um, type of skill and I can do it in the downtime of the evening or take it with me. And it just requires just very little, um, accoutrement, I guess. You just need your crochet hook, the yarn, and a small pair of scissors. That's it. Uh, so that's been really fun. I will keep you updated on the progress. So an update on the uh, embroidery unit that I um, purchased a couple weeks ago. I still have not unboxed that thing. 
it, it, it's just been like a little crazy busy here. And um, also with the air conditioning going out, uh, I just haven't had a chance uh, to just dive into that yet. But I will. Um, I will have to because in a couple of weeks, I will uh, be taking it with me to my Bernina mastery class on on the embroidery unit. So I'm looking forward to that. But I have gotten, you know, I just um, got some th- new threads in to use. Um, I got this Robus and Anton um, multi sort of pack of spools and they're, they're really nice colors. So uh, that's just uh, not much as as, as um, happened with that. But, um, but it will. Oh, and uh, I think I'm, I'm going to do a review on this new um, roller case that I got plus the embroidery module case uh, to transport my machine and embroidery unit to this class. You have to like lug the big machine and the embroidery arm and everything, the hoops to the class. So, um, my old sewing machine case is too small for this machine. So, uh, I got, um, it's called Tuto, T-U-T-T-O. And, um, I, I'll, I'll let you guys know, um, how it works. It, um, it, what I like about it is that it folds up when it's not in use to like about three and a half inches wide. So that's, that's pretty cool for storage. And, um, the, um, it just looks like it's, um, designed really well for the use opens, um, completely up on the side, also on the top. And, uh, I, I did ask in my, um, Bernina seven series Facebook group about the sizing because I wasn't sure if I should get you know, the XL size or the double XL. And it it did say that the XL would fit my series, my my machine model. So um, of course, there were like divided opinions. Some people like the bigger one, because then they could fit. um, There's a an attachment to the machine where you can put multiple spools on there. And um, so she fits that in the bag, um, in the bigger size bag. But I mean, these bags get really big. And I'm thinking, if I get that bigger bag, it is going to be so big. How am I going to lug that? You know, you have to lift it up into the car, out of the car. And I just uh, did not want to just give myself an opportunity to weigh it down anymore by putting more stuff in there. So, so I I got the size that is supposed to just fit my my machine model. So I, I'll I'll review it after I've used it a bit, and if it's worth the expense, it is a you know expensive investment. But you have to take care of your bigger investment of the sewing machine and embroidery. Um, but I I think I, I did a lot of research, of course, and I I think this is really going to work well. The ones that um you know the manufacturers make, like Bernina has got their own set of um gear bags for their machines and baby lock has theirs and and those are even more expensive uh so i mean those bags could be almost the price of one of their <laughs> lower end machines uh it's crazy but 
I did hear some feedback in the group and uh, some of them did say that the Bernina bag was, you know, they weren't as happy with it because it was hard to get the uh, machine in and out of it. Uh, but other people did say that it was made very, very well. It looks like it's made very well. The other thing is too, you know, the Bernina bags are all black and they've got the big red embroidery Bernina you know, on the front of it. And you almost feel like you're, you know, a, a sales rep for them or something. And I I also like the fact that the Tudo has fun colors. So I got the purple. I mean, they have like other cool colors They've got like a lime green, red. I kind of wanted the aqua color, but uh, they didn't have that um, at the time. So um, yeah, uh, I got the purple and it's it's pretty. It's, it's really nice. All right, so that's all for segment one. And we now are going to get into my conversation with Amanda Murphy. So today we continue and conclude the series on the different types of quilting. And we're going to talk about long arm quilting and ruler quilting, both on the long arm and machine quilting, uh, domestic machine. And my guest today is Amanda Murphy. Welcome, Amanda. Hey, how are you? Oh, very good. Good. Thank you. I'm so happy that you were able to schedule time to come on the show today. Well, I'm happy to be here. So, uh, you know, I, this is, I have to tell you this, and I'm going to put this in the show notes, but I have gravitated towards your books and everything for years, and I did not even realize it was you until uh, I started to do some ruler work a few months ago, and I got your ruler workbook. But then I'm like, hold on. <laughs> I have this book, which is the oh, yeah. <laughs> Color uh-huh. Essentials. <laughs> and then I also yeah. have this Modern Holiday. So I just, yep. over the years, like your color palette, I just gravitate towards in your design. So I just thought that was an well, interesting little <laughs> kind of a tidbit. Because, you know. Yeah, you know, um, when I, those were my first two books. Those two, uh-huh. they were like, more like quilt patterns. Yeah than quilting designs. Right, right. So, um, and I didn't, you know, back then I was just still kind of in my early stages of quilting and didn't really like, you know, that was before Instagram blew up and everything more before people really kept track of market and who was who. So now looking back, I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) That says Amanda Murphy. (laughs) (laughs) We pop up this industry. We pop up in different areas, right? Right. So tell tell us your story and how you became a professional in the quilting industry. Um, well, it was very gradual. Uh, originally, I came in through fabric, which is, um, I think, more unusual. Most people come in through patterns or teaching. I feel like, but I had come in through um, fabric. I had always sewn, and I had put together ideas for quilting collections, and I sent them to a few manufacturers and I came in the industry that way. And then gradually I added uh, patterns. I think it was my third collection I added patterns with. And then I did books and I started working with Bernina and um, it grew from there. So then I did, you know, rulers and things like that um, as, as, I added products as time went on. Right, right. Okay, so that's interesting. You came in through the fabric side 
um, Mm -hmm. of the industry and designing Mm -hmm. um, quilting fabrics, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then um, now I kind of know you as like the quilting long arm person or ambassador for Bernina. And um, you had a really great blog post. Maybe this was like in 2016, but I just found it this year when I really kind of like wanted to try out ruler quilting. And there was, um, and I used this. So I want to put this in my show notes and for the listeners, but you did this um, ruler work quilting ideas. And uh, yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. And it was really great. It was really good for me just coming out of not knowing a single thing about it. Um, I have done some free motion quilting and machine quilting, and I wasn't sure if ruler quilting was, you know, going to be harder or easier or what, but you have really good tutorials on this, and this is on the Bernina blog, so I'll put a link to that. Um, And since then, you've come out with, you know, your books and everything, so let's just focus on long arm quilting to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, Did before you started long arm quilting, did you first like start with machine quilting? Did you free motion quilt? Yes. I was originally a domestic quilter. Okay. So, and for a very long time, in fact, um, I, I knew Bernina's machine was, um, was coming out and I was waiting for it and I was still doing all the work on my domestic, some, including some promotional work for them. Um, and, you know, now I, I really look back and I value that because when I teach, I can go from domestic to long arm and back because it forced me to learn things about both techniques. And, you know, I use it when I teach because I teach a lot on domestics as well as on long arms. Okay, that's great. Yeah. And I, I actually have seen some because you have a YouTube channel, too. So I've watched some of those videos. And I, I did notice that sometimes you were on the machine and and more recently on the long arm. So <laughs> well, it's to film yourself on a long arm. If you think about it, it's just because you're you have more hands free. Uh, so if you're by yourself, it yeah. is easier to to get that set up. Oh, okay, all right. So how how, how long ago did did Bernina bring that machine out and that that you started long arm quilting? Oh gosh, um, oh gosh, I don't. Really, <laughs> it's at least five years. Okay, that's why it's like five it, years or or. Uh, yeah, I, I don't quote me on that one. Okay, um, but <laughs> but it's it's it was around five years. But I mean, as I said, I had uh-huh. I had taught myself to free motion quilt right years 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 before that. So initially, when I first got the long arm, I was more comfortable on a domestic. I had to reteach myself. Oh, um, okay, some aspects of that. You know, a lot uh-huh. of it. You know where to go because you know the shapes, but but it's still it's it's it feels a little different, right? Because you're you're moving the machine versus moving the fabric, so that's com- kind of like a mirror <laughs> type of a thing or an opposite, right? Yeah, right. Technique, yeah. So I, I can back and forth now pretty easily, but I remember when I first did it, I was like, okay, I have to really think this through. Almost like being amb- amb- ambidextrous. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's just, it's a different way. It's a different way of moving. It's still very important to keep your shoulders relaxed in the same way it is on a domestic because you can injure yourself if you don't. But um, so it's still important to keep loose. But um, now you're traveling down the machine that the fabric is staying stationary, Mm -hmm. right? 
that you're still trying to stay loose and fluid and make smooth shapes, but um, you're not moving the fabric. So I I like both. Um, I, 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 you know, I enjoy both. Good, good. So, um, yeah, because I mean, for only doing long arm for five years, it mu- it must be your experience with the machine free motion quilting because your designs are spectacular, and oh, okay. um, it's it's pretty impressive and it's encouraging to the rest of us who maybe <laughs> have just have gotten a long arm because a lot of people are getting them now. Um, yeah, it's it's becoming much more universal now. I will say the Bernina Q twenty four, which is what I stitch on, is very 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 fluid. Mm-hmm. The way it it moves on the frame, you know, you look at it and you think it's a big machine, but it is extremely fluid. Hmm. Um, that being said, you also have to tell yourself, you know, um, smooth is better than on the mark. If you think about um, the style of feathers 25 years ago, you know, people pounce the feather and then they hand stitch the feather mm-hmm. right on the line. I mean, this is pretty recently. And and the feather, that kind of, uh, you know, the feather wreath I'm talking about where all the plumes are the same size. Right. That really is reflective of the way it's made, right? It's easy to get it right on the line if you're hand stitching. Mm-hmm. Well, now with the feathers we make, now with the machine, getting on a line is not always the easiest thing. Right. <laughs> so our feathers have really changed and we're much more used to seeing amorphous or asymmetrical feathers because it's hard to make them symmetrical. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to think of when I'm quilting is to stay fluid. I am much less concerned with um, whether I'm on the line all the time than whether I'm smooth. Because, you know, from five feet away, you, you're you more likely to see like little jerks than mm-hmm. you are to see whether you're right on a line. Yeah, that's a good point. You know? Because I think we are all stressed on like staying on, you know, our drawn design pattern or something and if it's a little off but it's the line continues smoothly then that appears better to your eye right so if yeah so like a lot of times I'll buy fabrics or I'll design fabrics that are uh, that I feel like really inspire the quilting um and then I'll loosely follow the design I don't Mm -hmm. get really tight I'm I'm just not a follow the line person anyway Mm -hmm. Um, oh, I like hearing that. And, 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 yeah. And, the, you know, when you look at the books, I even including when I look at my books, because, you know, when books come out, it's a year after you wrote them. So you really don't remember anything you wrote. But when I'm <laughs> looking at when I'm looking at the drawings, I'm looking for inspiration. I'm not expecting to mimic that exact shape. You know, it, with rulers, you can mm-hmm. because. It's geometric, so you're staying on a ruler, but free motion's different. You're mm-hmm. developing texture. So I'm looking for ideas and I'm not wedded to a certain shape. I don't try to replicate things okay. um, in that way. Very good. That's that's um really interesting to hear. Um and it kind of takes the stress out of it too when you look at it. Yeah, that I way. mean you definitely uh, the minute you start stretching, that's where your shoulders start rising and you also you when people are stressed they quilt like in their wrists if you watch mm. that um, domestic machine now but people will start like gripping with spider fingers mm-hmm. which is really really bad for your body mm. you don't want to be that tight so um you have to like make bigger movements from your upper arms and keep your the rest of your arm relatively stationary you don't mm-hmm. want to be 
You know what I mean? Like yes, you don't yeah. need those little wrist muscles. Because if you think about it, think about writing, our wrists are really good at making little jerky movements. Uh-huh. So our wrists are really good at making little jerky movements. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's not going to change if we quilt. Right. So you're much more likely to stay fluid if you are actually moving from your upper body. Okay, right. And then I remember when I first started free motion quilting, I did do the shoulder thing like this. Mm. And then I held my breath like the entire time. And it was crazy. It was just like so stressful. So (laughs) I've I've learned that. But even today, like I will still kind of get to a point where I feel and I'm like now I'm cognizant and I'm like, okay, relax the shoulders. But you have to learn that because otherwise you you will injure yourself. (laughs) You've also probably put in enough hours that it's more fun. Yeah, because you're not having to think quite as much about the stitch length. Like you're you're starting to listen more to the sound your machine makes, like mm-hmm. and whether it's a steady sound. Mm. And so you're not having to think quite as hard, which is when it becomes more fun, honestly. <laughs> right, right. Um, but you know that takes a little practice because it's a sure. totally different way of moving your machine. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like that you do hand guided on the long arm. Versus computer all over? I I, I do both because I've digitized 75 quilting collections for OESD. Mm -hmm. Um, Embroidery. uh, No, 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 no. No? I do embroidery too, but like quilting collections. So like a pantograph with a border, with a corner, with a block, with a triangle. Um, And I've digitized those for OESD. They're available for both long arms and domestic embroidery machines. Oh, Um, okay. So I've done that. So I do do that. And honestly, when you're on a deadline, sometimes you have to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love free motion still Mm -hmm. on my machine. I think if you ask me my favorite, it would be combining everything, combining ruler work with um, free motion, with digitized designs, like for the Bernina 125th anniversary quilt. And we have another one coming up called Stardust, which Uh is something very, um, it's a similar idea where you use a lot of features. Um, But I like combining the technology with the hand-guided designs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Because I I combine, I didn't, you know, when I was just starting to get used to the ruler quilt, I, I did your circle concentric, mm-hmm. like around it and made like this sort of a rose type of a pattern. And I just did that one type, like that one part was the ruler. And then um, I I went back to like the machine quilting part. Uh, of, well, you know, the reason it. why it, that looks so good is it's a contrast of an organic shape with a, a very geometric shape, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Anytime you have contrast, like straight lines next to curved lines, it's going to look better. You know? <laughs> right, right. Um, that that really, the two kind of are married with each other. That's why in the books, like, I went back to free motion this time because, mm. you know, I have that in ruler work uh, book, the ruler work um, idea book, quilting idea book is mm-hmm. is really a compendium of all the things that I do with basic rulers. And so, you know, to enhance that, you add something that's more organic and right. less geometric. Yes, right? yes. It's all about contrast, you know, modern versus traditional and geometric versus organic. Right, right. And it just makes for just a much more interesting uh, quilting uh, design. <laughs> yeah, and the the other thing that I'd add to that is, I mean, because I you can tell in my work, I love the technology. I, you mm-hmm. know, I'm a quilting geek, but... Um, 
the one thing I'd say is these machines have so beautiful stitch, just beautiful stitches. And you know, when you do an embroidery on a machine, it's flawless or you mm-hmm. do a design on a machine, it's flawless. And that's great. But that doesn't mean your free motion should be like that. Right. Your free motion, when you combine it with digitized designs, adds personality and you can do things the computer can't do, like fill in weird shapes and, mm. uh, you know, so right. you shouldn't feel just because you have an embroidery machine that does beautiful embroideries that your free motion has to be perfect because it doesn't. And actually your free motion is going to be worth more money in a hundred years than any digitized design, even though I love digitized designs and Mm -hmm. I, and I find them. Yeah. Good point. And I, I just feel too that anything that you do by hand, like the hand guided or the free motion is, is just, um, you know, it's it, not perfect, and 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 you can tell that it was done. Like, well, we don't it, look at Amish quilts and say, "Look at those stitches; they're not as right. good as you know. They're not as even as my sewing machine." It, it's a totally different aesthetic, so you yeah. got to get your head there. Right, right, and it's good to point that out and for people to to kind of remember because we we are of course you're always trying to perfect your technique and and to be able to do those designs easier and easier the more you do it, but the to to not focus so much on the perfection of it and because you don't want it to look like you said you don't want it to look like a machine did it you want to look like you did it right <laughs> yeah guided by yeah. a human being. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> good, good. So um, that's, that's interesting, too, because I did not realize that I knew that you could do computerized all over designs on long arm machines, but I just didn't even realize that you could do your the OSED um, on there where you have motifs that you can just do partial you know, design. Yeah. Like I, when I develop a quilting collection, because as I said, I have like 75 of them, I always mm-hmm. do like block designs and triangle designs. So maybe you want to do something where you just put a digitized design in a block, whether Mm -hmm. you're on an embroidery machine or a long arm, but then you're going to do a free motion border or something. I like combining like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I try to put in the elements that you need to combine them. And a lot of long arm quilters are already familiar with this just because those who have automated systems, just because you design like that on the machine. But it's interesting that now that's going into the home embroidery market too. Yeah, it is pretty interesting. Um, It's, it's crazy that what, what the um, machine embroidery, that's a whole nother world. (laughs) Right. Right. So, um, all right. So, uh, Let's talk about, uh, well, you kind of already gave your advice on how to transition for from machine to long arm. Um, anything else to add to that? Um, I guess my biggest tip in terms of transitioning from a domestic machine mm-hmm. to a long arm, um, you know, one, you got to, you, you have to load the frame square. <laughs> you have oh. to mount both square to the frame. There's a few things like that that you can learn. Either your dealer can teach or another long armor um, can teach you um, in terms of the way you load the frame. The awesome thing, I mean, one of the best things about a long arm is you're done with basting. You don't have to baste anymore because, you know, <laughs> putting it on the frame gets rid of the basting. Um, nice. But, it, you know, I think it's to do, um, to put on some quilts that you're not as wedded to like mm-hmm. once you have not spent five years piecing 
right? Mm -hmm. And it does, because it doesn't mean you're going to ruin them, but it's just, you don't want to have too much stress, your first few quilts. And then do all over patterns, get used to how the machine feels. And the other thing I'd say when you're shopping for a machine, as I said, I love the way my Bernina moves, but make sure to try the long arms you're considering because long arms are just like domestic um, machines in that there's a huge range of price points and capabilities. So like the machine you buy at a chain store isn't like the machine you buy at a dealer. The same thing happens in the long arm market. If you're looking at a machine that um, you only want to do pantographs, that's one thing. If you want to be able to free motion and do pantographs, that's another thing. So you have to look and really feel them because they feel different. Mm. But my biggest tip in terms of just is to practice. It's Mm -hmm. the same thing as a domestic. It's, you know, to just put a quilt on a frame, practice different different shapes, and just do a whole quilt top. Do a busy quilt top where you can't even find your stitching. Right. Right. Yeah. Try to keep the one thing I'd say to try to keep um, the density the same of the stitching the same throughout the quilt top. So it'll lay flat in the end. But um, you just you have to practice and make sure you, as I said, you know how to load your machine. Yeah, that's actually a good tip. <laughs> load it square. <laughs> yes. Um, mm-hmm. Which is similar to embroidery. You have to you have to hoop those square too. Right. Right. Um, so. Do you, once you have your quilt loaded, and, and the other thing too is, do most long arms have like a built-in stitch regulator? Is that a helpful thing? Um, some, some don't. That, again, that's that's part of the range of long arm Okay. Pricing. Okay. Um, my personal opinion is I'd buy the best machine you can mm-hmm. in the stitch quality. Okay. And then you can always add automation because you can't get a better stitch quality. Once oh, you're- okay. That's true. So if it, like you're out there and it doesn't look great, uh, you know, think about that. So stitch because, quality, number one. That, that's right. Good. Like that's mm-hmm. what I look at first. And then do I like how it moves? Because some long arms feel heavier, some feel lighter. So they all feel different. Oh, sure. Um, so y- you have to feel comfortable. Don't be afraid at shows to go up and try the machines. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they're there for. Yeah. And if you're spending that much money on a machine, you should feel like you can try the machine. Oh sure, absolutely. Um, I, try, I, I do that. I, I, I mean, I don't have a long arm yet, but I know it's in the future. So I do try them at shows, and then mm-hmm. I've even tried them at some quilt shops. And it is so true. There was one long arm, and it was not their high end model. It was a low, low, lowest. It was in their quilt shop, and it was not only heavy. But it vibrated as I was moving it around, and as I was just like, no, <laughs> that yeah. that cannot be. And, and then I have tried some others at quilt shows, and yeah. um, I haven't tried the Bernina one. But the only Bernina I've tried is the mid arm or the sit down, and well, that sit down is actually the same. The Q twenty, yeah, it's the same machine. Oh, it's the exact machine. So well, one of the points of that Q twenty is it can go on a frame. You can buy it and have it as a sit down, and then when you you can move it to a frame. Oh, I like that. I know. It's really smart, right? That that one has an excellent, excellent stitch regulator. And the way a lot of people get into uh, that machine is because they try ruler work mm-hmm. and they really realize that, hey, if I had stitch regulation with ruler work, it would be so much easier. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of times, you know, the impetus for buying a machine like that. So I have tried it then because that machine stitched like butter. 
<laughs> yes, it's it's very smooth. I was having so on, much fun. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it moves on the frame just as smoothly. Oh. It is so smooth on a frame. Now I have the Q24, which is deeper, mm-hmm. um, but it's the same machine. So the Q20, it, you know, the interface changes a little bit whether it's on the sit down version or if it's mounted on a frame because you mm-hmm. either have buttons on your handles or you're using your foot pedal, mm-hmm. but either way, it's a very smooth machine, but that's why okay. I always do tell people, you know, don't feel bad for going and trying at a show. Don't be embarrassed and think, well, I'm a newbie. So, um, I, I'm afraid to go up and, you yeah. know, in front of people. Um, a lot of times I'll mess up the area where the people are quilting just so people feel comfortable. If I've messed <laughs> it up already, they'll feel more comfortable. Um, but, um, you know, d- that's what they're there for, that mm-hmm. you won't get the same opportunity to try it. You know, that's why shows are great. You can actually see the difference. But, yeah, you're right. They make them for all different price points, and mm-hmm. they have all different capabilities, just mm-hmm. like a regular sewing machine. So you've got to try. Don't just, like, look at a picture and decide. Yeah. yeah. But it it, it, it is um, hard to, you know, get the courage to do it because it took me a few years. Like, I would just kind of walk mm-hmm. by them. But I was still kind of new to even doing quilting on my machine. So now that I'm more comfortable with it, I don't care. I go up in the show. And so I have, like, you know, like strangely shaped squirrels, but I just want to try you know out what? the machine. You need to go up with like an eight-year-old kid. They will try every single machine right? at the show. Yeah. Just go with them. They will have absolutely, mm-hmm. I don't know why we get that fear built into us, I but know, we do. I know, I know. But well, um, and the kids other th- are fascinating. Yes. Because they have no fear. They're just, right. They just want to have fun and they think it's cool. Uh, and the other thing is too, at these shows, they, though the vendors put in like the most gorgeous thread on a solid background. So like, I remember the one had this rainbow thread and it was real thick and you could, I mean, it made your designs look amazing no matter what. Yeah, we do that, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) You do. (laughs) I was pretty impressed with myself at the one, but on the other one, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, don't show anybody that. So yeah. very good. This is great information on the long arm. And then uh, some people say that they prefer different batting versus um, a domestic machine and a long arm. What is your preferred type of batting? I'll tell you what battings I use. I don't vary it between a domestic machine and a long arm. Um, some people may I, um, get their batting in rolls for a long arm. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they buy a whole roll and they keep it underneath. But I, I, mount a different batting each time. Um, so, but again, I don't quilt for other people, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't have a quilting business per se in that, right. in that way. Okay. Um, so um, I really, well, I live in North Carolina and it's hot. Yeah. And so we don't really need quilts. I have way more quilts than I ever really could use. <laughs> um, but so I like natural bats. So I tend to use a lot of cotton bamboo, actually, by mm-hmm. Eversone, mm-hmm. Um, which is made by Brewer, which is owned by Bernina. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use a lot of Eversone cotton bamboo. The other one um, that I like is Quilter's Dream has a, um, a Quilter's Dream has a, a, the, a Quilter's Dream Orient, which is a combination of different. It has some silk. It has some cotton. It ha- it has it has like the loft of a wool, but it's more even than a wool. Ooh, that sounds interesting. Um, so it it 
gives that look. Well, usually yeah. wool, you know, it's a natural fiber and it gives a puffiness to a quilt. Mm-hmm. Um, but you would put it on top of the cotton for it to be more stable. Um, and this has that. So I do like that one too. Um, I would say the main thing is I would buy batting from um, a quilt shop. Don't go cheap on your batting. Buy, mm-hmm. buy it from your quilt shop and don't go cheap because you've put all this time into the quilt top and all this money into good fabrics and threads. You don't want to go with a really inexpensive bat that mm-hmm. doesn't hold together well. Yeah. Or, you know, have it's... you ever seen an antique quilt that's bearding? Yes. Yeah. So that's what can happen. Well, and it's actually happened to me too. Like when I'm, my, my very first quilt that I even quilted and I didn't know what was happening. I'm like, what? what are all these like little cotton pieces coming out? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah. So uh, good. I didn't even know that Eversone had batting. So yeah. that's good. Like their cotton bamboo a lot. Cotton oh, the bamboo. other thing I would say, I don't usually use a bat with a polyester component. That's just, you know, I live in North Carolina. It's hot. However, if I was going to do like an art quilt or a mm-hmm. quilt from hanging, having a little polyester in it is not a bad idea because it stabilizes the cotton. And you know how like our polyester bottles don't deteriorate over mm-hmm. time? Well, guess what? Your quilt top's not going to, de- you know, it's mm. not going to. If you're doing a quilt just for hanging, mm-hmm. I would consider some, consider some polyester in the bat. Oh, cool. That's interesting. Yeah, because so many long armors pre- prefer this poly cotton mix. And mm-hmm. I always had just used natural um, battings before um, I had something long armed. And the reason why they like it is because it shows off their quilting. <laughs> it's a little Lofty. puffier. Yeah. And- doesn't fold, keep folds quite as much as just cotton on its own, uh-huh. um, but it doesn't breathe so you got as much. So you have uh-huh. to think about what you're using the quilt for. Um, I think uh, Quilter's Dream makes an 80-20 bat that's mm-hmm. polyester cotton that mm-hmm. is pretty nice. But you again, you have to think about what your quilt's for. I certainly wouldn't want a bed quilt with a 100% polyester batting. Right. No, 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 no. Uh, that's true. You do really do need to to look at what what is this quilt going to be used for, mm-hmm. and if you want it for comfort and warmth, then the cotton or bamboo or that one. I kind of like that Quilter's Dream. What did you say it was called? Orient. Orient. It's called Quilter's Dream. Silk Orient. wool. Now, it's yeah, and I'm trying to remember what the other components are. You could look it up. Online. I'll look it up and I'll put it um, on the show it notes. Is a, it is a, a more expensive bat, but for those type of show quilts, uh-huh. it is very, very nice. Oh, all right. I love learning new stuff. This is great. Um, and then let's go move on to thread. So I think you're uh, an Aurafil kind of yes, like a partner, ambassador. Or, uh-huh. They call it, I, I went to your website and they call it like a Aurafilosophy. Yes, that's a new thing where oh. <laughs> you're educated on their thread that enough so you could go out into stores and talk about it. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That's the new term. And you use that for your domestic and long arm? Yes, I use that for everything. I use, <laughs> everything. I use the 28 weight for applique, I use the 50 weight to piece and to quilt, and I also use the 40 weight to quilt. Great. 28 weight to, you said applique? Applique? Yeah. Oh, good. And then, of course, the 40 slash 50 for well, yeah. fifty for piecing and the, 40. The 28 weight can be a little harder to find. In fact, I just have a new collection of 28 weights for the Celestial Lights line 
Oh, good. Uh, so, so they're a little easier, but they're fun because they're thicker. And so they give a little ridge to your applique. Yeah, that's great. More, a little more texture too. Yeah. Um, okay. And, uh, Let's move on to ruler quilting. Okay. So when did you start ruler quilting? And I, I'm kind of interested in to like where it came from. I mean, is it, was it for the long arm industry? Yeah, so, okay. So in, in long arm world, right, <laughs> um, you don't have feed dogs, right? Okay, right. You're just moving the machine on wheels underneath the quilt top. And so there's no feed dogs inside the long arm, you know, and that's hmm. actually one thing, this is just jumping back a point, but that's what enables Bernina to put their stitch regulators on that Q20 and on their long arm. There's no feed dogs on those machines. Mm. So they can put the stitch regulators under there, put two of them under there. And that's why the machine stitches as beautifully as it does, because the stitch regulators are reading from the bottom rather than from the top, like on a domestic. Right. Right. Okay. So on the long arm and the Q24 that I stitch on, there are stitch regulators on the bottom, but there's no feed dogs. And so how would you quilt a straight line? Right. right. So on a long arm, you do use these plastic rulers to quilt on straight lines. And pretty soon people figured out, hey, we don't have to just stick with a straight line. We could have a curve line. Mm. So then the popularity, it, all those show quilts with like big, you know, the scalloped edges on mm-hmm. you sometimes see on traditional quilts or like the triangles you sometimes see on modern quilts, they started appearing in shows. So, of course, that drives – you have the art driving the technology now mm-hmm. other than the other way around. Right. And so people start to say, well, how can I do that on my machine, mm-hmm. on my domestic machine? And that's where ruler work started taking off is, you know, people wanted to imitate this work they saw coming out on long arms on domestic machines. hmm so. Yeah, because um, I remember seeing some quilts and it looked like it had been long armed, but it had been ruler quilted on a domestic machine because you can co- sort of get those those shapes um, that look like it had been long arm quilted. You absolutely can do the same thing on a domestic machine. Yeah, it's pretty the, interesting. The a little different, but mm-hmm. you can. Yes. So, okay, so it came about really for the the long arms because they didn't have feed dogs. And and then, you know, it kind of like um, spread to the domestic market. So, and I just really kind of knew about it over the last couple of years. And I've known that it's been around, but I wasn't ready to try it until this year. Uh, And I'm really glad I did because it really wasn't as hard as you think it is. No, in some ways it's easier than free motion because uh-huh. your direction's determined by the ruler, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it takes, you know, you still have to stitch regulate on a domestic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, just like you with free motion. But once you get one or the other in terms of like regulating your stitches and, and knowing how to do that, you can take it and, and turn it to the other technique, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who are who feel more confident with ruler work than free motion and, you know, think I'm just going to do ruler work. You know, one day they decide that they want to fill every other, um, every other square of a grid with, with some texture, mm-hmm. right? What gets them into free motion? Like they want to fill the background behind scallops with loops or something. Mm-hmm. And they just pick something really simple but of course, that elevates the ruler work because sure. it makes one area puffy and the other area um, more matted down. And so the two kind of work together. But um, 
almost everyone gets to the point where they feel a little more courageous. They know what their machine should sound like because they've been doing ruler work. And maybe they just do stipples for six months. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they'll try something. I actually think stipples are harder than some other designs. So, mm-hmm. um, but because there's no corners on stipples to know where to stop. Hmm. But, you know, they'll try just a little bit. A lot of times the easiest thing um, for people, especially people over like 25, which are loops because it's related to cursive handwriting. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, they'll try one, uh, just a little thing and they'll feel more comfortable with it. And you'd be amazed, like once once you have that stitch regulation down, you know, Mm-hmm. You feel more comfortable branching off and trying new designs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I pretty much like um, came out of the gate with this and watching your videos uh, was super helpful. And um, I, I got this book and your book, your book on ruler work quilting idea book is pretty amazing. And I love the size. It's like six by nine. It's like a real kind of like a handbook guide that it's not a huge book that you have to lug around. So it, whoops, um, it can um, move around with you by your machine and stuff. But also, um, your, cause I'm a very visual learner. So, um, I don't always learn from books. I get inspiration from books, but I, I use this book a lot. And you've got, you have, you have like really step by step from your first stitches to your second ones to how that design is made. And then there's different variations on that design. And there are like, I don't know, it, to me, it looks like there's like hundreds of stitches, in it, like design, ruler work designs in here. Or designs. So, they're based of general shapes. Yeah. But you know, the way those books are written, they're illustrated. They're not really written. I go back and do the captions after I've done all the Ah. So yeah. that's, that's how I build them. And uh, you have the illustrations of the ruler work with the filled in free motion. Mm-hmm. I love that. It just, you're right. It just works hand in hand because that's the, like one of the first things I did was I did some ruler work shapes and then I went in and did pebbles and, you know, those aren't that hard to do and the little swirls. So, and it just elevates the the look of your quilt so much. So um, I really am enjoying ruler work. I mean, I'm really, a, really a novice beginner at it, but I was pretty impressed of what I could do. <laughs> yeah. You, a little bit of practice. <laughs> with ruler work, you just have to remember, you have to on a domestic machine. Mm-hmm. So it's not a long term on a domestic. Right. You have to stop and st- especially with curved rulers like circles, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You have to probably stop and start more than you think you do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you try, like you're going around just the outside of a circle, for instance, and say it's a four inch circle and you're going around the outside, you're probably going to have a better result if you reposition your hands four times than if it, you just reposition your hands two times. Mm. And that's because if you're doing it just two times, you're holding kind of on the edge of the ruler mm-hmm. and the ruler is going to start sliding because you don't really have yes. the adequate grip because you need to be holding your fabric and your ruler at the same time. Yes. Right. Yeah, I kind of so, realized that. <laughs> like a couple of fingers on the fabric, a couple of fingers on the ruler on both hands. Uh-huh. And so to really be, and, and you're almost, uh, it's hard to show you, tell you without a visual, but it's like you're, you're, you're down on the fabric. Your, your weight is relaxed kind of over your quilt. You're not um, gripping again in your wrists, right? There's okay. no 
the tension is not in your wrist. The, you're really letting you, you're, you're using your arm weight okay. to kind of grasp it so that you're not overtaxing your muscles. And then you have a couple fingers on the ruler and a couple fingers on the fabric. And then when you get to a point going around that circle that you feel, Hey, I, you know, I'm having to hold in a weird way. I don't really have the grip on the ruler. That's when it's going to slip. Okay. So you need to stop reposition your hands again and going around a circle in particular will be this one area where your hands kind of in the way and you'll feel like you're having to reach around the back of your machine to grab Uh the ruler. But that's just a really short area, right? So you always want to have an adequate grip on that ruler. The minute you feel you don't, you have to stop. You you have to stop. And the other thing I see people do, they'll either put all their fingers on the ruler. Well, that doesn't do anything. You're going to slide all over the place. Or they hold the ruler with one hand. And I think that's very difficult on a domestic machine. That, that of course, is how you do it on the long arm. You hold the ruler with one hand oh. and and you stitch with the other hand on the long arm. But on a domestic machine, you're going to have better results, particularly with any ruler that has a curve, if both your hands on the ruler are on the ruler and both your hands are on the fabric. It's oh. just flipped. That less. is a gem of a tip because <laughs> I was doing that one-handed thing. <laughs> You can get away with it sometimes with a straight ruler when you're, you're sewing in a normal direction, like mm-hmm. you'd sew because you're used to sewing that way. Mm-hmm. But like the minute you got on a circle, that one handed thing, you're just not going to have um, enough control. No, and I didn't. And I was just like, man, I'm going to have to practice a lot or I don't know how to really, uh, you know, get this. But that that makes sense to to have it, your fingers on the ruler and the quilt on both hands. And the other thing I was wondering too is um, I I was kind of like messing around with this one of the, like a straight line of like, do I put this on the back of the foot or in the front of the foot or on? You have to be able to put it on all areas. Okay. Sometimes my ruler's in front. Sometimes it's in back. Sometimes it's to the side. Mm -hmm. Like if you think about going around, like say you had a circle and you were bouncing around the corners of a block, right? Mm -hmm. From one place to another place to another place. Okay. Well, if you're doing that, that ruler is sometimes going to be behind the foot and sometimes going to be in front of, you know, in front Mm -hmm. of the foot. The only way it wouldn't be doing that is if you were rotating your fabric and you don't want to do that. Oh, no. Okay. So, all right. You know, because that's defeating the purpose of ruler work. Because remember, with ruler work, we don't have to rotate our fabric. Right, right. Oh, this is wonderful. This is really great. Um, And the other thing, too, that I realized, um, because I've got the Bernina ruler set, and um, I did have to put some grips under on, underneath of yes. it because it just didn't have it and it slid around too much. So right. I, I think the grippy type rulers um, make a hu- it made a huge difference once I did that. Yes, that, <laughs> my rulers for Brewer, the Good Measure rulers, have a non-skid surface on the back. Oh, great! So yeah. you don't need tape, but yes, if you have a ruler with a regular surface, you definitely need tape. So let's talk about your rulers because um, you've got. Uh, did you just recently have a new collection come out of rulers? Yeah. Eight eight sets were in the original collections, and now um, they're not shipping yet. But in the next few weeks, uh, I have a ribbon candy and an oval set coming out. The ovals are a lot like my circles, mm-hmm. so they have a lot of markings on them. Oh, good. Um, and there's a ruler panel in my Celestial Lights collection for Benartex 
that uh, uses the oval rulers. Oh, I saw that. You you did a YouTube video, I think, yeah. on it. Um, really pretty. Thank you. Oval and um, what did you say? R- Rib- ribbon. R- those are the new ones, yeah. Good. Okay. So on my rulers, I should say one thing because um, I still get emails about this. Um, if you look on my rulers and you had a circle ruler and it said four inches around the outside, mm-hmm. that is not the measurement of the ruler itself. That's the measure of the stitch circle you make as you go around the ruler. Okay. So I get, I get people who email me and are like trying to tell me in the nicest possible way the <laughs> rulers are the wrong size, but they're not the wrong size. It, it, that's referring to the stitch measurement. Okay. Right. Yeah. Going so like around. the finished... The finished stitch right. dimension is what the size denotes the size it's, of the ruler that you say it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And um, on the Bernina round rulers, are like there's a set of concentric ones. And I noticed that you could quilt inside the circle of the template or on the outside. So that changes the size of what it is, too. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, there's a whole world of this with the ruler quilting, and um, it's kind of fun. I really, I really do enjoy it. Let um, me add to this before mm-hmm. I, um, the, um, you have to make sure if you want to do ruler quilting on a domestic machine, mm-hmm. absolutely have to know what type of ruler foot you have and what thickness of ruler you need. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> The so ruler the, foot that you like, like the presser foot that you put on your machine, has to be a special one because these rulers are thicker than, you know, your your rotary cutting rulers. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, because you're going to be pushing the ruler sort of in against the foot, right? Right. Yeah. So that foot has to have a high profile. Mm-hmm. Within that, it, it, now on Bernina's. You would use and and any manufacturer that makes their own ruler foot, I mm-hmm. would buy their foot. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Berninas, you're going to use the 72 on the domestics, and either the 72 or the 96 work on the long arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and with those rulers, they have this really big arch down into the foot, and that's a boon because you can use what's termed long arm thickness rulers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So all long arms, you need really thick rulers. Mm -hmm. And the reason you need thick rulers is because they have hopping feet. So that means if I put my 72 foot on my long arm, it's going to go up and down a little bit as it moves because it's a hopping foot machine. It's a long arm. Okay. So obviously I don't want a really thin ruler anywhere near my long arm. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, With the Bernina 72 foot, if you're on a Bernina, you can take those long arm thickness rulers but not all domestic machines can accommodate long arm thickness rulers. Okay. So you might be on a brand that only can take a low shank foot because it's mm-hmm. what's called a low shank machine. Right. Low shanks. Have you ever seen the feet that like snap on or yep. something? Mm-hmm. Like on the brothers and baby locks mostly. Uh, yeah. The newer ones have a, have a different mount on okay. some of those. I don't want to speak to everything I don't know, but like there's, yeah. Within some brands, it's not universal. Like there, okay. it, it, there are some brands where some machines take one foot and uh-huh. some machines take another foot. Right. So it's way more complex. But you can talk to your jeweler and find out what foot you need. Now, if you only can have a low shank foot on your machine because you have a low shank machine, uh-huh. you need to buy low shank rulers. Okay. Okay. So my rulers were originally long arm only. They're now low shank. 
Um, they don't come in high shank yet, but there are basically three thicknesses of rulers, which is long arm, which is six millimeters, high shank, 4.5, and low shank, like Westerly does this, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you just need to make sure, because they're not going to ask you if you're at a show, you know, what machine do you have and what you need to make sure you know what ruler thickness to buy. Mm-hmm. When I teach, okay. I see people who have bought tons of rulers all in the wrong thickness for their machine and rulers tend to be expensive. Yes. Uh-huh. So you just got to be an informed consumer and know. And if you don't know, like contact your dealer and ask them, say, you know, they may need more than just the brand because with, um, they might have discrepancies within. Mm-hmm. Again, for people with Bernina's with 72 feet, I would buy the long arm thickness. That way, if you ever want a Q20 or a long arm, mm-hmm. you can use those rulers. Okay. Right? Long arm thickness. I, You know what? I didn't even know that. So, um, I mean, fortunately, I, I, I got the you know, the, the rulers and the foot that go with the machine that I have, the, the Bernina. Yeah. Um, but uh, did you say your rulers are not the, that thick? They're for low shank? No, no, no. Oh. Um, I, my rulers originally came out as long arm thickness. They are all oh. available long arm thickness. They have recently also come out as low shank. Thickness. Oh, okay, good. That's okay. just this year. Before that, oh, they were long great. arm. Okay, great. But, uh, you can, you can, um, check with your dealer if you're unsure about that. Just mm-hmm. make sure you know what you're doing. I always mm-hmm. buy the thickest I can for the machine I'm using just on the off chance if I ever bought a Q20 or a long yeah. arm that I still use them. There are situations where people would have to have two sets of rulers. Like maybe they have um, a machine with a low shank and they have a long arm and they want to be able to quilt on both. Uh-huh. You would have to have two different sets of rulers yeah. because you don't want to put your low shank on the long arm with the hopping foot. Right. And you don't want to put, you can't fit your long arm behind the low shank of the domestic. Right, right. Okay. Okay. So you got to know your machine and yeah. know which buy. Yeah. That, you know, there's a lot, you know, to, to know before you really like just dive into the ruler quilting. And I, I researched it and, um, you know, with the foot and everything. So, but there's just so much even more that it just can be overwhelming. That's why I wanted to do this series on the different mm-hmm. types of quilting and, um, you know, see if people, you know, if they wanted to try ruler quilting, but have been so intimidated by it. Now they can, now they know that all they need to do is find the right foot, the right thickness of right. the rulers. Ruler. Yeah. And, you know, I would start with straight line ruler quilting. It's okay. the easiest because it's most like regular sewing. Okay. And the second set I'd buy would probably be a set of circles. Okay. Yeah. Circles are kind of fun. I I, I like the They're circles. Just the versatile. You know what I thought was the most difficult was um, there was a ruler that has the narrow scallops. <laughs> that was a little a little okay. challenging. Because <laughs> um, I have a clamshell ruler that's like that. Um, it's it, the tighter the curve, the more challenging it is yeah. because you're going to, you know, with a tiny clamshell, like a one inch clamshell, you're going to need to lower your stitch length from what it would be for a four inch clamshell. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So you got to slow down mm. and you got to hug that ruler. Cause what you'll see people want to kind of, the tighter the curve gets, the more they want to go off the ruler. Yeah. Yep. Right. But yep. you can do it. It's, it's totally doable. Mm-hmm. It's, it, and then you want to listen for when your machine it sort of hums, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you can tell if you're lurching, if your stitches are lurching because your machine will sound lurchy. Mm-hmm. You got to um, find a speed at which you feel you can be pretty steady. Ruler work is very, very steady. Okay. Yeah. And you don't really, 
kind of like speed through it like you maybe can do with free motion. But I mean, I even think with free motion, you kind of have to find that rhythm too of the speed that you have to go. Right. That's why people buy the Q20 though, because then they can go super fast on a ruler and the machine's keeping the stitches the right way. Oh, really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. You haven't tried a <laughs> You're a good salesperson. <laughs> festival in the Bernina booth. But um, the ruler, because then you can go whatever speed you want. Okay, cool. But normally yeah. I go much steadier if I'm not a domestic. Yeah. Okay. Really good. Uh, so I guess then, I, I mean, I had the question if, if machine ruler quilting was more difficult than long arm, but that's sort of relative. It's right. Okay. Just in general is quilting on all, you know, there are different things. So I don't, let me think of how to phrase it. So as to whether quilting is more difficult on a long arm or domestic, it's probably more <laughs> difficult on whatever machine you have practiced on less. Mm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. um, but I will say long arms make the, the basting process super easy, right? Mm-hmm. Because you no longer are basting on a floor or on a table or, you know, right. having you as you go, et cetera. Yeah. Um, where, where I had to learn to do different things on a long arm, um, for, for instance, with feathers, um, on a domestic, I'd always orient the feather. So it was kind of away from me, like growing up and out from where I was sitting. Well, mm-hmm. on a long arm, you're not rotating your quilt, right? Mm-hmm. So I learned to quilt feathers in all directions. Oh, okay. so in long arm, you know, there's a lot of things that are easier because you don't have the weight of the quilt to move. Mm-hmm. You're moving the pen not the fabric. Mm-hmm. You can reposition your hand. Well, at least on the Q24, you can reposition your hands into change your grip in all different ways because the handles can be repositioned. You've eased um, your basting process, but you have to be able to quilt in all directions. Whereas on a domestic, mm-hmm. yes, I have to baste it and do prep work to get to the quilting. But if I want to quilt a border in um a certain direction, you know, I'm just turning the quilt. Um, I will say sometimes for long arms, when I have the side borders, I wait and quilt them last and mm-hmm. I actually remount my quilt so I can go to, it's particularly with digitized designs. Oh. So I don't, have to, you know, requeue it each time. Okay. But, um, so that, that can be a challenge on a long arm changing directions, but on a domestic, you know, you're moving the whole quilt you're moving the fabric with the ruler in the case of ruler work. So it's just different challenges. Right, right. And on the long arm, I meant to ask this. Uh, so you don't have to baste it. Then do you do you have like a certain process where you start at a certain place in the quilt? Do you do stitch in the ditch first and then okay. your designs? A lot of it's going to depend on my, what my quilting plan is. So I usually mark my quilting plan in like a Sharpie on a picture of the quilt, mm-hmm. a photo. Um, or a diagram, but what I need to figure out is how densely I'm going to quilt this quilt. So if it's just a panograph, and by that, I mean, just like an overall design computerized or otherwise, I am not going to stitch in the ditch. I'm just going to run the whole thing straight down the quilt top, top to bottom. You always have to start at the top in the long arm. You can't start further down. Oh, all right. (laughs) Like on a domestic, you could start, like, say you had a medallion quilt, you could start in the center square and then do the next yeah. square out, the next square out. Um, you can't do that on a long arm you, you because leaving that much excess fabric at the top would uh-huh. cause all these folds, right? Oh, okay. So you got a quilt going down. Mm-hmm. Now, 
if, if I'm doing that medium design or pantograph, I'm going to quilt the whole thing as I move down. But if I'm going to do the Bernina 125th anniversary quilt, mm-hmm. which has a lot of quilting in it, mm-hmm. I am not going to just do the whole thing as I go. Instead, I'm going to quilt kind of the bones of the quilt, the minimal quilting as I work down. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go back and do medium fill and then small fill. Because okay. this, if you if I'm going for a very dense quilting, mm-hmm. very, very dense, you know how if you do that on a domestic, say you wanted, you decided you hadn't quilted anything and you just decided you wanted to see what pebbles looks like in a, look like in a certain block. And then you know how hard it is to keep the area around it flat once you've put in those pebbles mm-hmm. and you say, Oh, I should have quilted around the block first. Yes. I, <laughs> right. You yeah. learn that by trial. The same thing sort of can happen on a long arm to a really densely quilt, okay. densely quilted quilt. So if I did just like the top pass and did it super densely quilted and then rolled, it could be difficult for me to get that next pass flat. Okay. That makes right? sense now. Yeah. So in that case, yeah, I do um, a little bit of quilting every layer. And usually that is in the ditch. It might also be some basic ruler work motifs, like I might do the scallops and the border, um, but nothing super dense. And I'd work my way all the way down the quilt. And then I'd go, either I'd roll to the top and go back down again, or I'd Mm -hmm. I'd just work my way back up. Assuming my uh, long arm has a leveling bar. (laughs) Um, which is a bar that holds the quilt down in the back says, uh, again, when we talked about range of long arms, Mm -hmm. you know, if you get the least expensive long arm out there that may not have that bar, that's Mm -hmm. something or a leveling bar. Um, but as I work back up, I do the medium fills and then the small. Now that is not different for me than how I do that on a domestic. If I had that super densely quilted quilt on a domestic, I'm still going to do it in steps. I'm going to do kind of all my stitch in the ditch and big ruler work motifs. And then I'm going to do my medium fills and then my smalls. The difference is on a domestic, I don't have to work from a top down. Right. Right. So like on the Bernina 125th anniversary quilt, it has this big border on a long arm. I had to start by putting some motifs in the border and then work my way down into the quilt on a domestic, I could start from the center and work Mm -hmm. out. Right. But let me say something about that. Mm -hmm. I don't literally start from the center and then work every piece of quilting out. Okay. okay, If I'm on a domestic, what I do is I look at the quilt. So for a traditional quilt top with borders, I probably give it a based all the way around in the, the binding area. And then I'm going to go and get that border first. Okay. And the reason I'm going to do the border first is I don't want it shifting because when you stand back from a quilt, the first thing you'll see is a border that Mm -hmm. looks crooked, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I want to get that first. Then I might start in the center out and work all those blocks and work some, all my in the ditch work, et cetera. And then I'm, uh, and get all that done. So I'm not going to go in and do the pebbles at that point. Okay. I'm not going to like, if there were pebbles in the center, I'd just do the outline and I'd come back in and then do all the medium fills, usually center out. But as I said, mm-hmm. I'd look at the quilt and because if the borders need to be straight, I need mm-hmm. to get those first. And then I would do it my small fills. Oh, excellent. This is great. Very good. on. The I technique. do say that in my books too. I great. think I... I have a page for both domestics and long runs. Oh, that's great. Uh, one more question, and we're going to get to all of your 
all of your stuff on your website and everything, your books and, and fabrics. Um, the one question I have left is about marking the quilt. Uh, I noticed like for your ruler quilting on your videos that you didn't have to mark everything. You sort of marked like center points. Right. I marked the little, the smallest amount I possibly I could. love that. <laughs> because like we really don't now I'll say if I have any color other than white, I use the white chalk aligners. Mm-hmm. I like those. They yeah. do off very easily. Yeah. Um, so you can't mark your whole quilt all at once, but again, they mark, they wipe off easily. Yeah. I don't like the colored ones as much. I just think they're harder to get out. If I Mm -hmm. have to mark a white quilt, I might use the water-soluble markers, but I immediately spray them because if you hit them with the iron, they are permanent and ask me how I know that. Oh, I know. That's so nerve-wracking. I I actually just, um, with the ruler quilting, I started to use the... um, the air soluble, is that what it, it disappears mm-hmm. in the air? I mean, you have to quilt it right then. You can't leave it for like 24 hours, but I don't have to worry about, you know, forgetting and ironing <laughs> the fact it. Is we have no idea what these chemicals are doing to our quilts. That's true. Like, and you know what? By the time someone complains, we're probably not going to be around to find hair. <laughs> so. Um, but that's why I mark as little as possible. We really yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, if I had like a... Uh, you could even use a hair marker, you know, that makes creases oh, yeah. in the mm-hmm. Um Sometimes I'll use painter's tape and just tape it onto the quilt if yeah. I really don't want to make a mark. Uh-huh. Um, you can come out, uh, you can use water-soluble thread. I mean, it. a lot of it depends on, you know, what this quilt is. If it's just placemats, I'm not going to care too much. Right. Um, but I do try to minimize the the markings as much as possible. We just mm-hmm. don't know. Other than the chalk, I don't really feel like we really know what's going to happen because they haven't been yeah. out that those products haven't been out sure. that long. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually yeah. a good point. And, and the minimal marking too saves time and, you know, you, you don't need to go through all that overkill with ruler work because to me, it is about the, the centers around the shape. Well, and for me, I like the way I design my rule, the marking knots on my rulers, I design them to minimize the marking on the quilt top. Mm-hmm. So like on my rulers, when you're doing a wavy line with a circle, you don't actually have to mark the quilt top other than um, doing a horizontal. You don't have to mark points every three inches oh, or four that's great. because there's yeah. lines on the rulers. So I'm always thinking about how can I minimize the marking on the quilt mm-hmm. top. Oh, good. Very good. So uh, your, let's talk about your all your stuff, your fabrics. You've got a couple of lines coming out that you said are shipping now, Celestial Lights and Celestial Silver Lights. Jubilee. So Jubilee was originally developed, the golden version was developed for Bernina's 125th anniversary. Uh-huh. Um, and silver is just another coloration of that. And, oh, that was so funny. I didn't know that purple was a thing. I'm not really a purple person. Oh, really? So I'm going into market thinking, oh, no. Like, is anyone going to, like, respond to this collection? And within five minutes, people were taking pictures in front of the quilt in a matching outfit. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, obviously I've missed this purple bandwagon. So, oh, I love purple. It's one yeah, of my... Yeah, so purple is a thing. So it has mm-hmm. some, like, it's more like a plum, but it has some plum in the, with the it silver. It is. Yeah, and, it's beautiful. And then, uh, thank you. And then Celestial Lights is um, inspired again by Bernina for this year. Um it is shipping first to Bernina dealers and then will be available more widely. Um, it's, it's a red and white and blue and white collection. It has five 
different educational panels, an embroidery panel, two endless quilting panels you can make a big quilt with, and then ruler work panels. And as I said, the ruler work for that coordinates with uh, brewer sewing every oval rulers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's um, another new collection. Um, it has like little bits of pearl in it. It's just um, very sophisticated, kind of the traditional red and blue, but with a modern twist. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in September, nightingales coming out. And I'm terrified of birds, but so I don't know <laughs> why I did a bird line, but it was in my head. Um, that's more my traditional colors. It, it has navy as a background, but it has some um, greens and blues and oranges and pinks. Um yeah. Some I, outdoor type colors. Yeah, I saw a photo of that one bird print with. I, I love navy backgrounds too. See, I gravitate towards your color palette. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that looks great. And in the Silver Jubilee, um, there are there star designs on the fabric, or did you make that from embroidering the fabric onto the quilt top? I'm trying to think what print you are. The blue one. The blue. blue. Oh, celestial. Um, celestial. So that's yeah. celestial. So um, there's a quilt called Stardust where you, uh-huh. there's both. So I forgot to say that. And Celestial Lights has an embroidery collection that's a Bernina exclusive. And for that embroidery collection, you know when you're drawing, um, gosh, that's basically a blue or white or red and white collection. So it's, it's like a one-tone collection, uh-huh. right? So you need to be very sure you have darks and lights and every color or every tone in between. Mm -hmm. But with a collection like that, it's really going to rely on the details. So we decided to do in the embroidery, I have layers and layers of black work in different colors of threads or different tones of threads. And um, I think you might be thinking of the Stardust quilt. Mm -hmm. That has fussy cut stars from fabrics, but it also has embroidered stars from the Celestial Lights collection. We're actually going to be doing that as a quilt along when we all sew oh, cool. in fall starting in September. Yeah. Um, but it, it it features that embroidery. And then the embroidery panel also features that embroidery. I think that's the best embroidery collection I've done. That's um, really nice. And because so, I you. thought I got confused myself because I'm like, oh, that's really nice fussy cutting, you know, fabric for <laughs> that. And then I looked again and I'm like, wait, that looks like embroidery. <laughs> so Right. It's embroidery. And then you, it's like it's both. And then you have there's there's a fabric in there called cotton shot that is like a lookalike of shot cotton. And mm-hmm. I use that for the appliques. So okay. it has like three colors running through it yeah. like a shot cotton would. But it's a tight weave because uh-huh. it's a quilting cotton. Um, so it's suitable for embroidery. And so that's what you're seeing is you're seeing uh-huh. that with layers and layers of black work threads. Um, the other thing I like about that collection is it's not necessarily too feminine. Right. It could be, it could go either way because there's a lot yeah. of star embroideries and, you know, things you could use. I'm, I can't wait to see people do that in different colors, too, because, of course, we did the red and the blue. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure people will try different things with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, those are your fabrics. And I I think uh, on your website, it said that you have a your background is in graphic design. So yeah, because, you know, your designs are really um, layered, like you said, and, and just you you think about wh- how it's being used. Uh, yes, which I is definitely nice. do. When I'm designing fabric. My, yeah. my background is actually industrial design. So oh, that's where it comes in. But okay. Uh, but then I, I, I never actually worked in industrial design. I worked in graphics. Oh, I so, see. Okay. All right. So um, that's what I did before this. Oh, but, nice. But, you know, it's, it's, 
it's good because I learned all those skills you need for making patterns. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, your, your books, um, you, there's a section on your website, so I will put a link to that. Um, you, you have a brand new book out, um, called, uh, organic free motion quilting idea book. And it's kind of like the same, right? It's going to be a six by nine, like right. your ruler book. Ruler. And it, inside of it, it's got like a little spiral uh, binding, which is great because, you know, you can easily, you know, flip the pages flat and so forth. So, and it's a great size. I love it. Thank uh, you. Yeah. So that's, that's coming out or that's already out. Yeah. That's already out. Cause it's on your website. I saw it. Uh-huh. All right. So anything else we need to know about besides your rulers? You, you've you got, they're no, called good I, measure. I, there's pattern. You can find the patterns. You can, yeah. uh, for all those new lines, either you can order them through your local quilt shop because I always like to support the mm-hmm. shop. Or if you don't have one, you can come to my site. Um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think what else. That's a oh, lot. Yeah. You are, you are in a lot. <laughs> Because you do, um, you're. I feel like you're also an educator too, because you educate. Yeah, I, do tra- I travel. Yeah, but I'm going to um, Chicago tomorrow, and then I'm going. Oh, you're going to come by uh, me. <laughs> Birmingham, England, for their quilt show Ooh. with Bernina, and also I'll be in um, at Bernina's headquarters in Switzerland in a few weeks and Germany for them too. And then back to the States. And then I teach a lot in September and I usually announce um, teaching dates in my Facebook group. Oh, okay. You can put a link in too. I will. Um, yeah. But that's where I announce them. Okay. So. Oh, this is fantastic. Amanda, thank you so much thank for coming you. on and sharing <laughs> so much, you know, knowledge and just giving us a b- background so that if people are afraid to try it, or maybe they've had some struggles, um, I think that this will really help them to kind of get over those humps and, um, you know, be able to try new things. And Hopefully. yeah, and I looked at that um, ruler panel that you have on the Celestial Collection, uh, the fabric. And it's really cool because, you know, the other thing is when you practice and you do all like, you know, your practice squares or sandwiches, it's like, you know, I, I sometimes feel like, oh, this is going to be wasted. You know, uh, you want to make something from it. And that panel could be used. Yeah, that panel is like, it, it's, it's beautiful. kind of, uh, it's hard to describe. You can put a picture of it if you want. I will. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it has like different sections of it where Mm -hmm. so it's like everything you can do with oval rulers on a panel but because it has different sections of you could cut it up and make bags or whatever home deck items you wanted yes yeah that's great i love that so that's i'll put a picture of that the the photo of the ruler panel and it uses the oval yeah rulers that should be shipping in the next couple weeks i know they're packaging Well, by the time this um, gets posted, they will probably be shipping. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciated talking with you. And um, hopefully we'll have you back again. And maybe we'll talk about embroidery or whatever else uh, is Sounds going on. Good. Yeah. Have a good day. All right. You too. Thanks. Thanks. All right, we completed the series on the different types of quilting. This has been wonderful. A big thank you to all my guests and all the information that they shared on each technique that we covered. You can find links to Amanda's books, 
uh, videos, fabrics, rulers on the show notes at stephaniesochadesign.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter. I will be sending out a newsletter in between now and the second season, giving you updates. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of the summer. I will talk to you in the fall. Bye. listening to the make and decorate podcast with stephanie socha design and you can find me on my website the podcast is there in the show notes at stephanie on instagram and on youtube